but it's the exact tactics that were used on Muslim communities that are now being, you know, done, you know, outside of the community. So for us, it's about the principle defending everyone's rights from being targeted in these phony sting operations. Welcome again to another edition of the Habituation Room Podcast. Back in the live stream, back in the studio, back not live from the future, from the past, speaking to you in the future or your present, depending on if you're here. I don't know what time is anymore. I've got COVID, trying to avoid getting long COVID. Um, I know you're saying, wow, COVID never looked better. And I agree. I agree. It's amazing. No, it actually sucked real bad for a while. Also because I forgot what being sick was like. And I was like, oh my God, do I have to watch West Side Story now? And I'm like, yes, I do. That's how you're going to get better. And so I feel good. I am on the road to recovery, hopefully. Um, And we've got such a good show. It has been a couple weeks since we've done a show. Our last show was, of course, live in Brooklyn, where maybe one of you gave me COVID, uh, or maybe I gave you COVID. Uh, Anyway, sorry if I did. And uh, I had such a good time. So if anyone went, and if you guys listened, I hope you enjoyed it. And just thank you so much for coming out and supporting the show. It was a hell of a lot of work, but a hell of a lot of fun. And yeah, thanks again for everyone who bought tickets and uh, those who tuned in live. Um, But today's show. We've got comedian Trey Crowder for the first time on The Bituation Room. Super excited to have him for the hour. We've got executive director for Coalition for Civil Freedoms. Lena Al-Aryan is here. Uh, I want to talk to her about the, yes, lasting legacy, continued legacy, uh, especially in the Muslim American community of the war on terror. Uh, We are marking now almost 20 years since the beginning of the war in Iraq. Always a fun time. When uh, I remember where the where I was when I saw images coming out of Abu Ghraib and being like, really, really, America? Fuck, fuck this. Um, we also have a very special edition of Sex Elect Overthrow. We're bringing it back because it's our fave, right? Sex Elect Overthrow. This time, it's the con artist edition. Oh yeah, we're talking about Anna Delvey, okay? And we're talking about whether she was worse than the Tinder swindler. Or whether, like, um, Elizabeth Holmes with her, like, disgusting turtlenecks, whether she was bad, too. So we're going to get into all that. And for the patrons and for the people who can support this show, once again, completely independent show, has no advertisers at the mom. Uh, Mama's still working hard on getting those. Uh, Still trying to get, um, you know cannabis infused dog biscuits to buy ads on my show but until that point this is a patreon supported people run people fueled program and in exchange for your generosity every month when you become a patron at patreon.com situation room you get an extra 10 minutes of content sometimes even 15 sometimes 20 minutes depends so trey and i are going to talk about what's going down in florida 
I mean, many things. I mean, mostly the whole state is going down, right? Like just technically in terms of sea level rise. But uh, Ron DeSantis and Disney are at each other's not really at each other's throats, but there's a little bit of a, a, a falling out, if you will. Uh, so we're going to get into that. I'm really interested, you know, in what you guys have to say, say about that and just sort of getting into these details of like Disney trying to take a moral stand and whether they have a leg to stand on when it comes to this so-called don't say gay bill. So we're going to get into that. DeSantis, once again, fucking scoring crazy points with uh, right-wingers for calling Disney woke. Anywho, if you're here, hey, why don't you like the stream right now? If you like the stream already, subscribe to the show. If you're not subscribed, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, honestly? What, you got like a limit on how many YouTube channels you're going to subscribe to? No. If you're here on Twitch, sup? Thank you for taking a break from gaming. Um, And... If you're listening as a podcast, make sure to give this podcast five stars. It means the world and your reviews are so sweet. I read every single one of them. And I wanted to say that the cool thing that's been happening is that the Bituation Room is now part of the TYT podcast fam. So I've moved over to Acast. Um, and now you can just find me more easily there. Uh, and you can listen to all the shows that I have done, obviously, with TYT fam and hosts as well. Um, so yeah, so that's exciting news. And finally, if you do want to tip the show, but you don't want to become a patron, that's okay. I understand Venmo TBR dash live cash app TBR live. And without further ado, let's talk about what we are bitching about. Oi, this is what are you bitching about? Okay, so I have dos cosas. Um, I am not going to speak like that the whole time. <laughs> like a chick who's proud that she took Spanish in high school. Um, but I, I have two small things that are actually quite long. But the first thing is this. You know, we're in a moment right now where uh, inflation is on the rise, right? Uh, gas prices are supposedly on the rise as well. They are in some places and others less so. Um, obviously, oil companies could easily drop those prices, but they want money. And we've got supply chain issues. We've got supply chain issues, um, you know, in terms of getting all kinds of goods, right? And it's putting the hurt on a lot of people, specifically American consumers. Um, and I, that hurt is not comparable to real hurt, as in, you know, someone suffering war in Ukraine. But, you know, it sucks. And especially when Americans haven't gotten a raise, we don't have a $15 minimum wage nationally, which honestly, even if we did, it should be 25. But so I was doing some reading. No big deal. And I love the American prospect. By the way, I started writing their back page column, um, which uh, no, it's not that kind of a back page. But no, it's uh, it's just like a humorous column. It's It's humorous. But their last issue was all about the supply chain. And essentially what you realize when you learn about the supply chain is not only have we shipped everything to China and made ourselves overly reliant on that country, which is oh so funny at a time when we're trying to get China to put pressure on Russia. But if they don't, what are we going to do? Fucking nothing. What can we do? Like they 
they have us by the balls economically, but not because, and again, my reaction is not based on xenophobia. It's not based on a knee jerk, right wing China, this or that. It's the broad bipartisan consensus to allow corporations to do whatever the hell they want at the expense of workers and consumers. At the expense of workers, because of course, we're talking about outsourcing, we're talking about going to the lowest common denominator, not, you know, going to China, which has horrible labor and environmental standards, but but also consumers in terms of the way that our supply chain is set up, which is not to create any kind of surplus, right? There's no warehouse that stores stuff. It's just on demand. Everything is like on demand logistics, they call it. And that maximizes profits for shareholders. But and and so long as everything's going fine, meaning there's no pandemic, there's no, uh, you know, wildfires or like rapid sea, you know, uh, uh, storm surges, which like, when are there ever those? <sighs> so long as everything's fine, you know, you can basically meet consumer demand, blah, blah, blah. Well, fucking nothing is fine now, except instead of fixing the supply chain, corporations, trade groups, all of the same MFers who've been screwing us over this whole time are like, ooh, I know. We'll just raise prices. We'll just pass the buck to consumers. So all this to say, I'm not complaining about not getting a fucking shake weight on time or whatever I need to buy. But I am complaining that we've got such the thing about having an oligarchy is that you at least want them to be in control. If you're going to control stuff, at least do it well. When you don't do it well is when it bothers the shit out of me. When you you can't even account for Things like climate change, things like, you know, a, a, a pandemic, maybe you can't even account for an emergency situation. You've devastated manufacturing in the United States. You've shipped it elsewhere and then you've got no plan except let's pass the buck to the consumer. That's your fucking plan. We're going to raise prices again. We're going to underpay workers. They should be grateful. So I'm that makes me mad now. Apparently, the Biden administration is taking some small steps, so I would love to delve into this more. Maybe I can get someone to actually who actually knows what they're talking about instead of just whining about it to come on. So I'm, I'm mad about that. And uh, yeah, you know, as someone who eventually wants to be able to afford a home. Fucking, you know, that that's on my mind. Second thing that's on my mind, we're not going to talk too much about the war in Ukraine uh, or Russia's attack on Ukraine. But I did want to say this briefly, and it's it's like a big point, but it's I'll make it quick, which is Democrats have no vision for real, real diplomacy and internationalism. We don't. They don't. And if we spend seven hundred billion dollars and if Biden keeps on asking and Democrats keep on approving all this money for fucking war and then when a war is at your doorstep. Oh, yeah. No shit, you're not going to go into World War Three because why would you? Then one has to wonder, why are we spending all of this money on missiles and tanks and F-16s or whatever, 13s? I don't know. Why are we spending all that money 
and our kids can't afford to go to college. Wouldn't it make more sense to give free college so we have more trained diplomats, uh, fluent in all kinds of languages? Um, we we have an educated, you know, if our, if we actually believed in diplomacy, right? If we actually believe we don't want World War Three, because as we've said, Bush and Trump will be like, hell yeah, let's do this. I mean, Trump would be like, I don't care. I, you're, I'm, I'm for bloodshed, you know. But there is no alternative vision. It's let's keep funneling money to military and warfare, and then when we're at, when we're at the doorstep, we're like, well, we can't do anything with the military and warfare. I mean, we can funnel it to other people. So what the fuck are we doing? What is this chicken or the egg bullshit? I'm sorry. Was that short? COVID's made me matter. All right, you guys, um, with that, let's bring in my guest for the hour. Um, this man has uh, truly just one of the nicest voices ever, and I just want to hear him speak. Um, but he's also a stand-up comic <laughs> from Selena, Tennessee. He's been a guest on Real Time with Bill Maher, probably one of the best highlights of that show. He's co-authored of the book, The Liberal Redneck Manifesto, Dragon Dixie Out of the Dark. Please welcome Trey Crowder. Hey, that's very, you're going to give me the vapors talking about my voice like that. I feel like I can't live up to it, but thanks for having me. Give me the vapors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. going to open the show with like a hella Southern yeah. reference. Just like, well, you were being awful sweet. Vapors. That's why, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of myself over here. I said hella Southern because I'm matching your Southern with my Northern California. California, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like how it. that works. Um, Trey... What are you, instead of how are you, it's really what are you bitching about? That's what we do on this show. So what Yeah, you well, you know, I'm going to take a, take a turn from what you were talking about. You said it could be apolitical, so I'm going to take it very literal and, and honestly here. What I've been literally bitching about this entire weekend, as my wife would attest, is a little thing called uh, plantar fasciitis. You know what that is? <laughs> yes. So I didn't know this. I never heard it pronounced that way, but yeah. Pl- yeah how do you say it? I, I I even looked it up on Google before I came on this show because Plantar I was like. Plantar fasciitis is how I want to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, before I came on here, I Googled, how do you say this? Because I was like, that seems like something I would say dumbly. And then <laughs> and then still said it dumbly anyway. But, you know, no, no, no. I, I think it's, want to You do. just say it fast. It's like one of the things where you just have to say fast. And then it yeah. doesn't sound weird. So it's, I think it's plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis? Yeah. Google has lied to me. You know, you look <laughs> up with the like phonetic pronunciations for things where they put, uh, like by syllables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you look at it like that, it's like plantar fasciitis or whatever. And you just put it all together. I don't know. Take it up with Google. All right. Some I'm people, have, well, the chat says I'm wrong. Maybe people on the podcast says maybe it is plantar uh-huh. fasciitis. Okay. Well, either way, it sucks. <laughs> and and your your foot can just stop being okay out of nowhere, in my experience. Like the middle of the bottom of your foot just starts hurting. Is it because um, you – is that just like flat feet? Is that it? So it says that it's like uh, – you know, it's real, it's real common in runners and overweight people and I don't run. So I don't know. I've been, uh, I've been on the, bi- I, 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 I mean, I'm on the run, but I don't, run. yeah, I got a Peloton. I tried to blame it on that at first, but that don't track at all. Apparently it's like <laughs> one of the few things you can keep doing even when you have it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And it's like looking up, what can I do for this? How long is it going to last? And it's like, ah, oh, you know, you could try rubbing some ice on it, stretching your foot a little bit and, 
probably going to be three to 18 months. You're going to be dealing with that roughly. And it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, just, I don't know. I blame it on just getting older. I'm 35, but still your body just starts to fall apart. Apparently. Yeah. My mom, I mean, yeah, she is almost 80, but like you're, you're still (laughs) young. Trey. (laughs) (laughs) My mom has it and she, okay, this is just, this feels a little gross, but this is what she does. She gets like a, like a frozen bottle of, you know, yep. anything, water, Coke, yep. whatever. And you just roll your foot on yep. it. And that's, that's I did that this morning. Very first thing I did when I woke up this morning was the frozen water bottle trick. And I'm, <laughs> a, I'm saying, like, I guess that's just going to be every morning for maybe the rest of my life. Who knows? We'll just, we'll see how it plays out. But anyway, I've been bitching a lot about, <laughs> you know, when you're not used to your foot sucking and your foot starts to suck, you bitch about it. You use right, your all foot a, a lot. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Like yeah. you need feet, man. <laughs> like they're, they come in handy. They're important. There was and a comic who had a, yeah, someone had like a joke about like ever cancel plans because you have flat feet. <laughs> like, like, you're like, sorry, <laughs> right. well, I'm gonna, I'm I can't gonna start go doing out. that now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I do, yeah, I do yeah. know it can get better. So there's hope. Uh, yeah. I'll put you in touch with my mom. Okay. Um, <laughs> But let's get into the week. So a lot happened. I'm going to do a quick quick overview. This was the week where uh, 36-year-old former Trump advisor Stephen Miller, who oversaw heinous anti-immigration policies, is suing to prevent the January 6th committee from obtaining his phone records because he claims he's still on his family's plan. (laughs) Like, wow, bro. (laughs) Have you ever thought of, like, family separation for yourself? Um Amazon is buying MGM Studios for $8.5 million, which means actors will now be docked pay for any time off task. Okay. Bathroom breaks, line flubs, the entire Bill and Ted reboot. Sorry, Keanu. It was bad. Uh, South Carolina has reintroduced the firing squad for executions, which in the year 2022 will just be carried out by sending an inmate into any public mall or school and having them wait. Uh, (laughs) Biden wants into crypto. He's having financial agencies investigate cryptocurrency and look into creating the digital dollar. So he wants to, let me, like, let's understand. He wants to create an entire economy predicated on the buying and trading of invisible dollars. Like, has he heard of Wall Street? That already exists. And uh, there are unprecedented heat waves on both poles, causing a rapid deterioration of sea ice. But we can't afford a Green New Deal. I'm very excited for armies of Greta Thunbergs to line us up all and uh, do some firing squad executions on old people because we deserve it. Uh, For everything else, this is the week where... This was the week where um, the White House warned that it has no more money to stop COVID. Um, Congress basically cut COVID prevention from its budget this week. The same week that both Barack Obama and Francesca Fiorentini test positive. Coincidence? I don't think so. All right. Um, But this is real. So here was... Some of the um, the money that was requested was $22.5 billion, but it was chiseled down to around $15 billion before it was cut entirely from the latest funding bill last week, leaving government relief efforts strained. 
Now, it might reappear somewhere. I don't know. It's very fun, though, considering there's like a new COVID variant spreading across Europe known as BA2, which is also coincidentally the degree you get when you graduate from DeVry University online, BA squared. Um, what does this mean for Americans, though? What What happens The most immediate impacts of COVID relief running dry will be felt by uninsured Americans who will no longer be able to submit claims for tests or COVID treatments starting next week. Senior administration officials told reporters earlier on Tuesday, in two weeks, claims to cover vaccinations will also no longer be accepted, meaning the program that has been covering people without insurance throughout the pandemic will effectively end. So you know how when you get a vaccine, they're like, do you have insurance? And you don't have to put it in, but you do. That actually does charge your insurance company, um, but now you're going to have to have insurance. Otherwise, you have to pay. And I've heard that, like, testing kits are something like $600 a piece, which is wild. Um, m- more impact. Anyone seeking monoclonal antibody treatment? Eh, eh, anti-vaxxers? Now that ivermectin doesn't work. Um, you remember how they were all into the monoclonal antibody treatment? So that treatment is going to face a tougher battle starting next week because the government plans to cut supplies to states by 30%. And a new purchase for hundreds of thousands more monoclonal antibody treatments are going to be canceled. Um, Finally, if this were any surprise, in the instance of a new variant, we got BA2, U.S. would not have the money to buy new variant-specific vaccines for all Americans to get vaccinated if that becomes necessary. Um... Research on new vaccines and treatments will also be affected by these cuts, including a progress on pan-coronavirus vaccine, which could protect against a range of variants. On the testing capacity, the administration says that current domestic supply will get Americans through June, despite earlier warnings that Americans would see less testing availability starting even this month. So fewer tests, fewer vaccines, fewer less research on all that. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. it's good to be old, I guess, at this point. Because if we can, if sure. you're like over sixty five and you can get your fourth one in there, I mean, I just got my fourth, you know, the natural way. Yeah, no, it's a uh, very, I don't know, very typical. I feel like of this country that we've had like a couple of months or whatever it's been of like a downturn or like eased up a little bit, and so then everybody was just like, ah, we got it. You know, we took care of that. I think we're good now. We really have to keep doing this. I don't think so. I mean, like, I feel like the country proved a long time ago that a huge chunk of it's just going to not do anything you're supposed to do where COVID is concerned anyway. So, you know, this um, this isn't really surprising. Everybody just wants to do the ostrich in the sand uh, approach to COVID. And that's been the case since the beginning. So, why switch it up now? It's really alarming all the stuff about how it projects into the future. Like if some, if there's a new variant that is way more dangerous and or infectious and we'll just be screwed because of yeah. this now, I'm sure oh, that would never happen. Not in these times would a, uh, you know, massive a new catastrophe. Variant. Yeah. A new variant, unforeseen horrific consequences. I can't, I, I feel like we wouldn't have something like that go down. Um, it's not totally in keeping with the past. I don't know six years or whatever it's been (laughs) of reality things Mm -hmm. seem to just get worse so i don't know why we would uh expect things to improve on this front especially if we're just gonna give up on trying to make them improve so yeah this is all great it's fun (laughs) i'm looking forward to it 
Well, what's crazy is, and it's like there's a silver lining because up until now, Biden's COVID czar has been this guy named Jeff Zentz, Zients or something. And he's like a corporate executive who had no experience in public health. And his entire strategy was, well, just browbeat people into getting vaccinated and then that's it. Like, don't, you know, plan for the eventual future. Don't think about, you know, uh, broader things you could do to mitigate COVID. Um, maybe paying people once again to stay home from work. It was like, no, 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 no. Get the economy started. Now there's a new guy, um, Ashish Jha, who's actually a public health expert, which is great, but it's like, Welcome to your new job. There's no money. So, sorry. Um, right. Well, and, it, yeah. It's also the way that I've, and, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry if this is cold or whatever, but I really don't care at this point. But the way, you know, the way that, like, most Republicans look at poor people, you know, which is just like, well, just stop being, you know, it. take personal responsibility for your choices and yeah. p- pick yourself up by your bootstraps and work harder and then you won't be poor. I'm not going to help you out with it. You should make your own decisions and just, you know, affect your own life, personal responsibility, that whole thing. That's pretty much how I feel about the unvaccinated, you know, and have for a long time. It's just like, I, it's not my problem. Like that's a choice you made. You should take personal responsibility for it. I, you know, I don't know why you're, it's on nobody else but you is basically how I look at it. But what sucks about this is if they remove the whole infrastructure, if that affects vaccine availability. So now in the future, you can't get a vaccine just because you're poor and you don't right. have insurance, you know, even if you want to get one. Well, that fucks all that up. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't, yeah. I, that, that hurts my self-righteous stance on the matter in the future. If they've made it to where, you know, some people just, won't be able to because we fucked up and don't have enough. And of course it's always going to be the poor people who get fucked over the first and then rich people will be bitching at him for dying of COVID for being poor. Yes. And it just, you know, piles on and on. So yeah. <laughs> and then the cycle, a- well, it's funny because it was like a free vaccine and free testing and even the free masks, which of course we know had to come at like after like a fair amount of uh, what the fucking we, you know, media did and Jen Psaki putting her foot in her mouth. Uh, her sake in her mouth. I'm done. Um, but mm. like it, w- this was like a brief little respite from what America usually does, which is not, you're yeah. going to have to pay for that. And it was, and, right. and I'm, I'm sure you saw a lot of right wingers being like, okay, well, if the COVID vaccine is good then how come it's free and you're like, mm-hmm. because it's really serious, but you have a point and they're like, oh, and insulin's not free. And you're like, you've got a good point. This is why yeah. we need universal health Right, but again, as always, they draw the complete exact wrong conclusion from that. You know what I mean? It's like, how yeah. come this is free and insulin isn't free? And if you leave it right there, you're like, yeah, it's a great fucking question, right? Why isn't insulin free? And they're like, oh, no, that's not what I meant. I meant, like, why aren't we charging people for the COVID bag? We shouldn't just be giving this shit away. Like, yeah. that, you know, you no, can't I meant that, that means either. it's a Bill Gates, you know, microchip that'll <laughs> yeah, turn you right, into a lizard. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, so, I mean, I, I guess one thing. The vaccine is, yes, it, we need more access to the vaccine, obviously. But, yeah, we've got a lot of people in this country who won't take it, and I agree with you. My thing is, of course, the immunocompromised people. People like my yeah, right. my dad cannot develop antibodies. Like, he's had every vaccine. But he's he is coming out of uh, chemo. So he was like on, you know, did chemo and had survived cancer. Well, those folks, it takes a long time for your immune system to get back to where it needs to be to fight off something like COVID. If he got COVID, it would be even even the like so-called, 
you know, lighter strains like Omicron, mm-mm, like I think it would be really, really, really dangerous for him and so many other people. But the really the thing is, is the testing. If I hadn't had access, like in just, just getting sick to the amount of testing, like was able to go to a Walgreens. They had tests. It was expensive, but if we had insurance, it was free. And I was like, hell yeah, make fucking Kaiser pay for this bullshit. I hate Kaiser. And and I got eight tests and I was like, hell yeah, this is amazing. Um, but if that dries up, then how the hell are we going to know? And apparently states are also start stopping tracking COVID. Right. Well, because, you know, you can't have COVID if you don't test positive. And the people in your state can't have COVID if you don't uh, track it. Right. So it kind of makes it go away if you think about it. It's sort of the way like most of the men in my family approach any kind of illness. It's like, you know, you can't have anything wrong with you if you don't go to the doctor. Because when you <laughs> go to the doctor and they tell you something's wrong with you, well, now you got a problem. But as long as you stay at home and don't go to the doctor, you just keep saying, ah, I'll be all right. And that's kind of that's kind <laughs> of mean, why these states approach to yeah. to COVID tracking and testing and whatnot. But they will remind you of the flu deaths, of course, well, which yeah. we still track in this country. Right? Yeah, like, well, those oh, are serious. Oh, yeah. Well, those are even worse than COVID, some would argue, who've never read anything. Um, I just, I hope they fucking find the money. Literally, I'm like, oh, no, 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 just do this. My expectations for Congress are so low at this point. I'm just like, just do this one thing, please. Can you not, can you not, we're about a million dead now in the richest country on earth. What the fuck? Anywho, let's move on. We've got another equally exciting and very fun story. Um, This was the week where states continue to run roughshod over the right to an abortion. Uh, This week, Kentucky banned abortions at 15 weeks, and that's after Mississippi and Louisiana banned them at 15 weeks. Florida currently doing the same thing, not to mention Missouri's new law that forces women who have ectopic pregnancies. That's when a baby starts developing in the fallopian tubes, forcing them to carry their baby to death. That's because that's what it is. Basically, either one or both uh, the mom, the fetus definitely dies. Um, Back to Kentucky, though, the state already had ban on abortions at 20 weeks. And here was one of the few female lawmakers who also voted against this new bill. Senator Wise. Great name. Um, And here's what she had to say when her colleagues were voting for it. Explain my no vote. Yes, (sighs) ma'am. You know, I'm a diagnostic radiologist, and diagnostic radiologists historically and in in many places in this state still do all of the first trimester OB ultrasound. So I am extraordinarily personally familiar with the development of a fetus in the womb. And for you to sit here and say that at 15 weeks, a fetus has a functional heart, a four-chamber heart, that can survive on its own is fallacious. That is not true. There is no viability. You know, it, 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 I look around at my colleagues on this committee. I am the only woman on this podium right now. I am the only physician sitting on this podium. This bill is a medical sham. It does not follow medicine. It does not even purport to listen to medicine. And for each and every one of my colleagues to be so willing to cast an I vote when what you are doing is putting your finger, putting your knee, putting your a gun to women's heads. You are killing women. 
because abortion will continue. Women will continue to have efficacy over their own body, whether or not you make it legal. I vote no, and I really, really apologize to the people in Kentucky that we are spending this much time and this much energy when we have families in poverty. We have single women heading households in poverty at a higher rate than any other group in the state. And you all are not addressing that. You all are making it worse. Thank you. That was uh, actually Senator Berg, excuse me, um, who was very wise, however. Um, It's funny because you, Kentucky's got the leading group of poor people in the state as women, single women, more mothers. It's almost like Republicans like that. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, oh, that's a great stat. Yeah, no, they, you know. But all the other dudes on that committee, when they met up outside, they're like, well, she's awful mouthy, huh? I don't know why we let her in here. <laughs> this is why they <laughs> should shouldn't be in office. A tenth white guy or whatever, you know. Right. As a white guy, of course, I always take any opportunity to talk about abortion. But um, I knew as soon as, you know, with the the Supreme Court and, you know, when we got fucked over so bad on that, well, I mean, fucked ourselves over in ways, but whatever. Yeah, no shit. When they... <laughs> When they took it the way that they have, and, you know, everybody yeah. knew this was going to happen. And so none of it's surprising, but it is very alarming. And you're right, you know, and it, it's been pointed out a million times over, but it deserves to be pointed out a million more. And it's that they only, if you haven't been born yet, then nothing is more important than your life. But the moment you enter the world, all fucks are ceased to be given about you or your condition or your future or your prospects. They like poor, poor kids, especially like black and brown kids. They don't give a fuck about them. They literally take their lunches away from them at school. If right. Parents can't afford just like starve them to fucking death. Fuck them over at every turn. But as long as, you know, they're born into that life, then like Jesus is cool, I guess. You know, <laughs> that's, that's how it all. But yeah, right. it's so. Jesus fucking, wants it more would be, worker bees for their it, uh, factories. Right. It would be a little different if they weren't like that. Like if they if they also if they took care of poor single mothers or children in poverty and all, if they supported those measures as well it would be a very different kind of argument. It would still be bullshit in terms of, you know, it should be up to women. It's their body and their choice. It still shouldn't be white guys making those laws and decisions, but like, at least it would be a little less baldly hypocritical, but it's not, it's one of the most hypocritical. It's like, it's like if Denmark Denmark were rapidly pro like a get like anti-choice you'd be like i get it you kind of take care of kids from birth Mm -hmm. to death you've got really robust social safety net you know yeah who wouldn't want to bring up a kid in denmark but like uh we are not denmark we do not have that but i i understand what you're saying and i just want to give some context to roe v wade because all of these you know the bills around heartbeats right these motherfuckers think that if you have a heartbeat essentially by that logic it's like get a job you know what i'm saying like by that time oh if that if that life is viable then yeah why why wait until it's born before you're sending it into you know whatever menial labor like job that you want like they think that the 
this fetus, sometimes even less than that, is viable outside of the womb. And it is not. And Roe v. Wade understood this. And Roe v. Wade framed this as actually a woman's privacy, her right to decide what she does with her body and what she doesn't. Now, there are limits, but the reality is 90% of abortions happen in the first trimester. That's zero to 14 weeks, 90%. The other abortions happen because shit gets very real for <clears throat> many different reasons. There can, let's talk about, there could be economic reasons, right? There are lack of access reasons. If you didn't have access to an abortion in the first 14 weeks, obviously you would delay it. If there are economic reasons, you cannot afford an abortion, you would obviously delay it. But then there are health reasons. And the second and third trimester is when it is about the health of the baby or the fetus and the health of the mom. That's when actually abortions are arguably even more important because they are saving lives, right? And so- but but so it's like they're so stuck on the time limit and what point is it viable? And you're like, motherfucker, we've decided this. We've gone over this. And according to Roe, un- you're not allowed to legislate, especially in the first trimester against abortion. But in the second, you can legislate, but but very minimally, right? Very minimally when it comes to restrictions on abortions. But of course, because they're chipping away, they're shutting down clinics, the standards for clinics, then it actually only makes abortion, later term abortion, even more probable and likely. So I just want to put that out there. Um, and, I, and I wanted to pivot because there's a little bit more before we move on. Idaho has a six-week abortion ban. Six, six weeks. But this is before many people know they're pregnant. Um, and like Texas, it's all about bounties. So right. – they're allowing um, people to sue abortion providers and get $20,000, um, potentially a $20,000 for suing them. And so here are some of the debate on the Idaho uh, state legislature floor about the parameters of this vigilante anti-choice bullshit. I understand that that a uh, someone who has committed a rape would not be able to uh, sue if an abortion were to take place, would a family member of said rapist be able to sue? Would they have standing? Down from 21. Thank you. If it is the uh, parents, siblings, aunts and uncles, grandparents, then yes. Uh, Same question then uh, for incest as well? Down 21. Thank you. Yes. So if I am raped and choose to have an abortion and my rapist has 10 siblings, is there anything to preclude all of them and their spouses from um, bringing a lawsuit for $20,000 each? Down from 21. I'm not sure their spouses are included in, the, in that list, but uh, no. Oh, oh, not the spouses, but yes, the brothers and the sisters and the <clears throat> parents of the rapist can also sue if there's an abortion that takes place. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I had either... Uh, forgotten or didn't realize that this was going to get brought up. And I was actually just about to ask you about that exact law before you played that, because that is one of those things where it's like, to me, and obviously it's wholly different perspective, but to me, this is one of those things that just seems so cartoonishly evil that I cannot understand how you can put these ideas forward with a straight face, even if you are anti-choice, you know, uh, philosophically, like when it's framed right. that way explicitly to you, it could not be more 
black and white. They're just asking them in point blank terms. So you're telling me that if yep. I'm raped, my rapist family members can sue me for having an abortion. And then, then, and then they say, yes, that is accurate. I don't know how you are not in your own mind at that point going, maybe we're the bad guys. Here. <laughs> like, like, Oh, you know, when I hear it out loud, it seems kind of fucked up. Yeah, maybe yeah, we should that circle say- back to mm. that, but they don't. They we're going to have to it. reframe that a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's but they never the do. Rape. Yeah. It's no, wild. it's sort of like that's what my loving God would want is yeah. for a rapist family to be able to to make some money in the kingdom of heaven. Like, I don't like that's in there, but it's not. I mean, the one I have a weird idea about when it comes to restricting women's bodies and freedoms is that. And the same thing with all the culture war bullshit, which this is not a culture war issue, um, but it often is wielded as such. But in terms of LGBTQ plus hate, all that stuff, I see it as like this is when Republicans don't have any more ideas. They go back to these touchstones Mm -hmm. that are about taking away civil rights and human rights. And and especially in their mind, they're like, if women were only – you know, dropping babies like flies in the kitchen, like somehow American manufacturing would come back. <laughs> like, get the motherfucker. But, you guys were the ones who shipped the shit abroad yeah, and made but, killing on it. Like, they either do that or they just make a new thing up completely out of thin air, like right. the transgender people in the bathrooms or critical race theory or some right. other boogeyman that they just construct whole cloth out of nothing. <laughs> and if they can't think of one of those, they do what you just said and go back to the same, you know, regressive whales over and over. Yeah. That's yeah. textbook conservative uh, strategy there. Um, before, yeah. <laughs> before we get, uh, bring in my guests, a couple comments. Uh, thank you have for the super chat on COVID uh, U.S. government. Meh. That's what they're about. Grandpa dragon 1953 on Twitch. What up? I'm always so amazed. We have the money to kill people. We never have money to save people. Agreed. Unless they're unborn. If they're unborn, oh my God. But not even because we don't have health care um, or prenatal health care. Um, Jeremy Justice, thank you for the super chat. We're, apparently we can have COVID relief funding or Nancy Pelosi slam poetry, but we can't have both. <laughs> oh, such a tough choice. Like more Bono poems. <laughs> um, Israel Bryson uh, on Twitch, if a heartbeat is a requirement, re- removing people from life support should be illegal. The death penalty shouldn't be allowed. I mean, they, oh my God, remember the fucking Terry Shy? Are you old enough to remember the Terry Shivo bullshit? Remember yeah. that life support thing? I do, Ugh. yes. But yes, the death penalty has always been a complete hypocrisy on the rights part. Randy Greer, George Carlin, conservatives want live babies so they can train them to be dead soldiers. Oof. Always with the Carlin. So good on point. Decepticon IT help desk. Ask an anti-choicer if they've ever adopted an unwanted child since adoption adoption is their favorite alternative. They'll more than likely say no. Yeah. Not only that, I was seeing, I was watching some, I think some like, uh, I follow a lot of like abortion rights, uh, um, Instagram accounts and they're great. And all the folks who are like out there in clinics defending, uh, defending folks and who are trying to get actual care. And there was like a meme that was like, don't tell all the aunties, like the anti-choice people about the number of frozen embryos that never actually get used from IVF. Like, oh yeah. yeah. They don't oh, give yeah. a shit about them. They're ready to go. <laughs> like, 
nobody's protesting outside of an IVF clinic. Um, I don't know. I feel like if they put that together, they might start. They hate stem cells and shit, right? That's they true. hate all that for the same reasons. Like it wouldn't. Don't give them any ideas. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. We need a decoy thing, though. It's like if we can trick them into thinking that we should be protesting. Yeah, like as Carlin said, you know, abortions that are like chicken abortions, so eggs. Mm-hmm. Like at least, you know what I mean. Give them. They wouldn't be outside harassing real people. They'd be, you know, harassing farmers and chickens, which is fine. Um, All right, let's move into the sitch for the week. Super privileged to have her here. Uh, She's a Palestinian-American mother and activist and executive director of Coalition for Civil Freedoms, a group with a mission to defend civil liberties and freedoms, promote a fair U.S. criminal justice system, and advocate for the rights of political prisoners targeted in the war on terror. Please welcome Lena Al-Aryan. Thanks for having me, Francesca. No, thank you for being here. Um, super welcome. Welcome to the show. Um, really glad to have you here. It's a, kind of a grim, another grim anniversary. I always sort of remember as someone who was very involved in the anti-war movement and was like, if we could just protest yeah. enough, then Bush won't attack Iraq. Like, ha, 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 ha. So here we are again, 19 years since the invasion of Iraq. Um, and, you know, your organization um, has done what I think the work that I think sadly has been left to a lot of Muslim Americans, um, which is protecting a community that has ever since 9-11, I mean before, but since 9-11 been vilified, um, spied upon and uh, torn apart and, you know, uh, demonized in, in so many ways. And that still continues 19 years after the invasion of Iraq, a 20 however many plus years after the invasion of Afghanistan, what are, what are the lasting impacts of the war on terror still? Like, what are the things that were like, holy shit, that's, we still have that vestige. Yeah. I mean, all of it, right. All of the post nine 11 policies that have targeted Muslim Americans that have vilified um, our faith, our communities, criminalized them, have seen Muslims through a security lens, um, we're talking about the war on Iraq, um, you know, 19 years today, just as there was a shock and all tactic in bombing Iraq. Um, of course, the, the bodies that are left behind, you know, the death, t- uh, the death toll um, ranging between 500,000 to a million people. They never saw any justice. Um, that shock and awe tactic was being done um, domestically in the United States in order to carry out this Um, war on terror in Afghanistan, um, Iraq, you also have to perpetuate this Muslim terrorist uh, myth going on in the U.S. that you have terrorists on the loose, that you need to catch them. And, um, you know, through this counterterrorism model where you employ all these, you know, really awful tactics like, you know, um, infiltrating communities, um, you know, Trevor Aronson, the journalist who's written a lot about these issues, um, has said that there have been, you know, at any given point, around 15,000 informants, many of them in Muslim spaces. Um, and so after 9-11, um, the U.S. essentially created the separate justice system for Muslims, passing the Patriot Act and um, raiding charities, um, mosques, um, arresting high profile Muslim leaders and really creating the sense of fear among the community Um to not speak out, to not engage um, politically on certain issues, to not, 
you know, express dissent even on these atrocious foreign policy issues that have contributed to the oppression and death of, you know, untold numbers of innocent people. And it's this fear that has, you know, continues to last till this day. And my organization actually happens to be an organization led by mostly impacted people, people whose loved ones have been um, targeted unfairly and slapped with false terrorism charges and continue to be uh, incarcerated until this day. So um, we represent now, we advocate on behalf of 250 or so um, what we call Muslim political prisoners. These were people who were targeted in a tactic um, that we call preemptive prosecution, where they're um, you know, it's like, it's Orwellian, it's Kafka-esque, it's Philip K. Dick, it's Minority yeah. Report. I mean, it's, like, I was going to say, you know, being, um, yeah. you know, targeted in these manufactured plots that the FBI concocts. It's like this Truman Show thing where, you know, the FBI, they need to find terrorists. They have this enormous bloated budget, billions of dollars over 20 years. And it becomes an easy model to follow because who's going to acquit, you know, somebody accused of terrorism in this post 9-11 climate of fear. Um, and so they create these plots and they um, target the most vulnerable in society. These hapless youths, a lot of times who are drawn either to money or, um, you know, a lot of times it's like this older father figure to these youths, you know, they're so young, they're suggestible, they're vulnerable, they're poor, they don't, you know, it's just so many ways that they incentivize them. And it's like, I liken it to the sexual predators that groom these youths. And it's in fact, our government oftentimes that's radicalizing them, goading them to go along with this plot. And just, uh, you know, right before they're about to pull the trigger, of course, fake, then the FBI swoops in, arrests them and prosecutes them, sentences them to 20 years or or 30 years or whatever it is, you know, decades in prison. And, Similar to the torture tactics abroad, which it's like there's been a almost even more of an admission that torture doesn't work, but but quiet admission. There's a knowledge that entrapment schemes Mm -hmm. do not work, do not keep people safer, did not foil any plot that would not have existed Mm -hmm. were it not for an informant doing that. And yet do these. These kinds of informants, I mean, is there an idea or a sense that those actually those programs are continue to this day? Absolutely. I mean, they they absolutely do. I mean, that's a sad thing is that, you know, the people that I advocate for, they're not just the forgotten prisoners and and victims of the war on terror, the, the victims that people never even knew existed. And you see the evidence that's brought into these cases that at trial, most people would never believe it. I mean, There's a woman who is serving a nine-year sentence for literally retweeting ISIS. I mean, it's just, it's gotten to a point, yeah, I mean, and and the judge even apparently at her sentencing likened it to Donald Trump's tweets, you know, and it's just like, well, why isn't Donald Trump being prosecuted for, for this? But then, unfortunately, the legal system is so broken and judges are often afraid to do the right thing that um, they still end up going along and, and, you know, giving these you know, horrible long sentences. Um, But no, it doesn't work because the reality is that there isn't an actual terrorist threat. Um, In my organization, our legal team um, authored a report called Inventing Terrorists. 
And out of 1,300 national security cases after 9-11, they found that over 94% were based on preemptive prosecution, which is essentially prosecuting ideology. And Islam in itself was seen deemed as a dangerous ideology. Um, so it goes to show you that there isn't really a threat that we need to follow. But, you know, <laughs> what we've learned over the past um, couple of years as BLM um, activism and, and more focus on defunding the police, more, uh, you know, a critical look at our broken legal system is that it's all about these prosecutions and, and, and convictions and not really about the truth. I mean, just, you know, thank God for the film 13th that shows, you know, the, the history of mass incarceration and, you know, how this carceral state cares so much about locking people up over the truth. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, we've we've pivoted to new ways to track people, but the F, I mean, the House let the Patriot Act die in 2020. I'm like, I just assumed it was still going on, but it just kind of quietly again. And it was like, well, what was the lesson? How many innocent people, right? How many people are still fighting their cases? And it's like, no, nope, there's no atonement. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to get into like just a little bit about maybe your quick thoughts on, on like, you know, I think nowadays they're seeing, especially with the election of representative Rashida Tlaib, mm-hmm. Ilhan Omar, like seeing Muslims in elected office and in these high levels and women, you know, and Ilhan Omar wearing hijab. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I mean, she gets so much hate, we know, but it is as someone who I think, and obviously I can only imagine how yeah, you might feel, you know, never had seen these people and uh, seen Muslims in uh, office before, it really feels like a sea change and a shift and obviously representative of their own electorates too and the community broadly. But does that, what does that mean to you? What does it mean sort of politically like that maybe we can turn this around and actually um, end the Islamophobia uh, that has really um, poisoned our politics for so long? Um, I mean, unfortunately, I think I see Islamophobia alive and well, even in the coverage of Ukraine in the way that, um, you know, those refugees are, are deemed in a, you know, in a much more humane lens than refugees from Muslim countries. But with the election of uh, Tlaib and Omar, I mean, of course, I, you know, I, I've seen since Obama's, um, you know, um, since he was a candidate and him being called, you know, he's an Arab and he's a Muslim and the whole birther movement and all of these um, ridiculous anti-Sharia bills that kept popping up in all these um, states, that we've come a little bit of a, away from those days. Um, at the same time, I think what's more significant to me in their election is, you know, not just their Muslim identity, but that they um, ran on highly progressive platforms. I think, um, you know, especially with bringing light to issues like the human rights violations and, you know, oppression of the Palestinian people um, is, is quite profound. I think they show that, you know, Muslim, quote unquote, leaders, these self-anointed leaders who used to try to, you know, appeal to respectability politics, not really challenging the mm. state, not really challenging, you know, these post 9-11 abuses, really staying silent about them, um, that, you know, there has to be a sea change there. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen these so-called, um, you know, self-anointed Muslim leaders who went on these Israel junkets 
there's this program called the Muslim Leadership Initiative that basically went on this propaganda tour in Israel that was funded by these same Islamophobic hate groups. Um, how, you know, it's very close to the Israeli military, and it was created as um, a tactic, to, as, a, as a counter to the BDS movement, which is the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. And so a lot of these Muslim leaders came back to try to sow discord on the issue of Palestine and um, criticism of U.S. foreign policy and support for Israel. Um, so I think mm. seeing Rashida Tlaib now being outspoken on, um, you know, calling calling out Israeli war crimes, um, speaking out in favor of Palestinian human rights, being a sole dissenting voice opposing things like the Iron Dome um, are quite significant. Of course, they're still they still need to come a long way. Um, there still isn't enough, um, you know, uh, action being done to protect the rights of Muslims. Um, they're still being targeted in these unfair cases all the time. So I, I would like to yeah. see more being done um, about domestic policies and, and truly ending the war on terror. Yeah. Um, can you, like, well, what does that look like? Can you be more specific? Like, wh what does that look like in terms of truly ending the war on terror? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have, a, we have our wish list, right? I mean, you have to close Guantanamo Bay. You have to um, end the infiltration of Muslim communities by the FBI. You can no longer, you know, send these agent provocateurs to go and entrap innocent young people. You know, we need to end, um, you know, th these arbitrary material support laws where anything you do, your, your charity gets criminalized. I mean, one of the most atrocious cases is a case of the Holy Land Foundation Five. This was at one point the largest Muslim charity in the United States that was shut down by the Bush administration in December 2001. Their assets were seized and it was literally declared a terrorist organization. The U.S. government acknowledges that its leaders were simply humanitarians that, you know, gave charity to Palestine. But by their twisted logic, you know, Palestinians are so poor and, you know, any outside help they get, you know, will allow them instead of, you know, spending their money on, you know, giving, you know, building schools or whatever hospitals will then be siphoned off to do terrorist activity. And so, you know, because money is fungible and it's this whole ridiculous concocted story and the leaders of that organization are serving 65 year sentences, two of them for literally charity. And there's, you know, they've exhausted all legal recourse. The Supreme Court refused to take the case and they're languishing in prison for charity. And you're seeing now oh where, you know, PayPal is raising money for Ukraine. Everybody's raising money for Ukraine. But God forbid Palestinians should have any, you know, humanitarian aid. People who are literally, um, you know, in a like, you know, fish in a barrel in Gaza who are, you know, uh, two million people trapped can't go anywhere in one of the poorest um, regions in the world. So, right. Or if you say, you know, I think if you say Iran in a Venmo right. transaction, right. you'll you can't make that transaction. Exactly. But Matt Gates can say underage sex, and uh, it's all good. Exactly. That's right. Um, Trey, any 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 thoughts you want to jump in? Um, I'm sorry if this is backtracking too much, but we were talking no. about um, Omar earlier and uh, Tlaib. Um, what I was would be curious what your thoughts are on the new Republican challenger to Omar um, Sh <laughs> Shukri. 
uh, I'm going to butcher her last name, so I'm going to try it. But you know what I'm talking about? She's a Muslim-American uh, military veteran who's a conservative. Air Force, I think, Somali-born. Yeah. Um, have you seen her? I was wondering what you... I mean, I haven't, but I, I think they've tried to primary her two years ago and, you know, similar type of, you know, another Somali candidate that was like the you know, the, the, the good Muslim candidate or whatever, you know, not the troublemaker that's yeah. in hand. And, you know, they they lost and I'm hoping that this person will lose as well. Um, but it's I mean, it's so clear, right? What it, what makes a good Muslim in this country is somebody in the military, somebody who's engaging in killing other Muslims abroad, somebody who's, who's working to help the government, mm-hmm. you know, track down these alleged extremists at the mosque, you know, because a guy grew a beard or said free Palestine at a rally. So, it's very clear right. what, um, you know, type of politics that the government wants um, Muslims to embody in this country. And, and that's exactly that that exact profile that you described says it all. Yeah, well, they love that that, that, that whole like one of the good ones thing. Exactly. Oh, know? yeah. They're yeah. real. They're real big into yeah. that. Anytime they can get a candidate like that, they jump all exactly. over it. Oh yeah, I mean, exactly. like minority and, communities too. You know, they get yeah, right. Whatever you know, who yeah, absolutely, they can't be racist. Exactly. Um, right. so I wanted to. Uh, there's so much to ask, but um, I guess I guess I wanted to talk about January 6th a little bit, you know, and and get your thoughts on. You know, in the aftermath, there was a lot of sort of ratcheting up of similar language that was, you know, utilized against uh, Muslim Americans after 9-11 as the like, okay, domestic terrorists, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And objectively, I'm not going to use the word terrorist, but anti-government white supremacist extremist violence is the number one, you know, according to the FBI, the number one fastest growing threat in the United States. And you know it probably is if the FBI is saying it and you're like, mm, I don't know if they have really like a an agenda to go to go against uh, white nationalists because they've pretty much been OK with them up until this point. So it must be really bad for them to be flagging it. Um, and as we saw on January 6th, look at what happens. But in terms of actually trying to, you know, root out, de-radicalize, if you will, if I can even say that, um, to try and you know stop some of the 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 extremism the 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 white nationalist extremism that yeah scares me and sh- I think most people who listen to the show fucking far more than anything else. Um, what are your thoughts? How how do you see the way and the role that like if the government could play any kind of positive role? in trying to bring people back from that kind of radicalization, that kind of violence, what would that look like? Um, to be honest with you, I, you know, I look at it a little bit differently um, with extreme skepticism. And I think that the, the term radicalization or the, you know, whatever, all of that is extremely vague and it's a way to avoid talking about political issues what is it that is driving these people to some sort of ideology or action? What is it that they care about? You know, what is it that's, you know, angering them in terms of policy, not just like they're radical, they're insane, they're horrible, just, you know, without any explanation, without any context. And so what we've seen post 9-11 is that Muslims were just the beginning. You know, Muslims were radical. Muslims had a problematic ideology. Muslims had a problematic politics. 
But we always contended that these, you know, policies to infiltrate, to, you know, arrest people on, ide- you know, crimes of ideology, on thought crimes, were always going to be expanded to other communities, non-Muslim communities. Um, and so what does the government do, do? I mean, the government is interested always in expanding its own powers and, you know, developing this expansive spying surveillance program. They don't want to give that up. They want to know exactly what people are saying. They want to spy on them and they want to, um, you know, to to control them, to control what we think, what we feel and to not be able to you know, resist any policies that may be unpopular, that may, you know, hurt regular Americans. And so what we've seen in this Michigan governor kidnapping plot, you know, if you guys are familiar with that case, this is something that the FBI called a slam dunk case. I mean, everybody's like, holy shit, like they wanted to kidnap this governor. And guess what? We find out a few months later, 12 FBI informants and several more undercover agents concocted the entire thing from A to Z. These were people who were like upset about vaccine, like COVID like restrictions. Like it was so dumb, but they needed to exaggerate this threat in this country and concocted this whole thing. You know, among the the people, That's it's wild. crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a, an article in The Guardian. I highly recommend that your, your viewers read it. Um, there's a case that um, we in the coalition um, talk about, which is this Kansas militia. These are people who were, um, radicalized by, you know, D- Donald Trump's rhetoric in the summer of 2016 after the Pulse nightclub. The guy was a Muslim. They were like, oh, my God, we need to get Muslims and whatever. And yes, like mm-hmm. they, they were they hated Islam. They were anti-Muslim. I am Muslim, but I believe it in a person's freedom of speech, even if it's to not like, you know, a certain people or to be opposed to them, as long as you're not taking any actual steps to commit a crime. That's your freedom to believe whatever you want. I mean, that's what this country is supposedly built on. And so what does the government do? They bring in this, um, he was a homeless guy, an informant. This was in Kansas City, Missouri. And they pay him $60,000 to, they're like literally like militia rejects. Like the militia didn't even want them. So they were like kicked out of the militia. They tried to coup Venezuela. They couldn't do that. They got out of breath. Uh, yeah. And, and this informant introduced these three guys. You know, they didn't even know each other. And he told them, like, you know, you need this needs to be your target. The Somali like housing complex. This is what you're going to do. And, you know, started pushing them to go along with this plot. These were people who had substance abuse problems, history of, you know, mental health issues, really like just these these hapless guys that were very easily manipulated into this plot. And that's what the government's doing is truly scraping the bottom of a barrel. And so they ended up being charged, convicted on on this, you know, domestic terrorism case. And people actually believe that they were going to bomb this plot. And I mean, this, uh, this, um, they were going to go along with this plot to bomb these Somalis. And, you know, it seems almost counterintuitive, like you guys are Muslims, and you're defending these people wanted to blow, you know, but it's the exact tactics that were used on Muslim communities that are now being, you know, done, you know, outside of the community. So for us, it's about the principle defending everyone's rights from being targeted in these phony sting operations. My God, that, yes, that story, especially the the Whitmer and the the (laughs) kidnapping plot story, that was this week. And I've yet to wrap my brain around it. But yes, the fact that you and your organization is actually, yeah, has a principled stand when it comes to these BS entrapment plots. 
is, I mean, like, <laughs> just the idea there's that no the same grace defense. would be. Yeah, there, there's no entrapment defense. You know, as long as, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I can go on and on about this, but yeah, I mean, you have to defend the principle because, you know, one day it's your community, the next it's another vulnerable community. There are no lessons being learned and it's going to just continue. So, I mean, I mean, what's crazy to me, what I'm saying is like the same folks would never extend that principle to Muslim Americans, the, the like white nationalists, those folks, they would never be like, no, their whole thing as, you know, January 6th insurrectionists are getting locked up is, no, 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 we don't deserve this. Black and brown people right. deserve to be locked up. We don't deserve to be locked up. These conditions are, t- this sandwich is awful, right. right? You know, meanwhile, prison abolitionists or people who believe in reform are like, see what we've been talking about? We actually believe that everyone should not be in these kinds of conditions, right. blah, 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 So and that's it, I mean, because it's never gonna, you know, passing any sort of like domestic terrorism policies and, and bills or whatever, of course, that's always going to come primarily to crack down on black and brown communities. But people don't realize that it's being expanded outward um, to, to to whites. I mean, to, to put it. Plainly. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and like, yes, I think that's really fascinating. And I, I we, we got to dig and talk more about that story. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess any like any final thoughts? We we have to move on to our um, to our our last. I mean, uh, last thing I just wanted to say is, you know, it'd be great in a really good way to uh, you know root out the so called radicals or like especially root out white supremacy. Not run white supremacist candidates mm-hmm. for <laughs> office. Uh, not keep allowing representatives who supported overturning a democratic election to hold office. To still be there. Mm-hmm. Like, the collusion is so... I mean, it is very funny. It is... The whole, like, idea that the FBI is going to root out white supremacy is a little bit of the, like, the cops are going to investigate their own murders. You know I mean? That is... That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, exactly. Lena, final thoughts? Anything you wanted to raise? Um, you know, we have a lot of, of work ahead of us. I mean, it's it's really hard to talk about these issues. People don't realize that it's happening. I think Islamophobia is still so alive and well that people, you know, feel that it just doesn't affect them. And so you see a Muslim talking about this and it's sort of like mm, shrug, you know, and unfortunately, these political prisoners that we support, I mean, and, and advocate for, there's really no hope for them to ever see the light of day in many cases. Some of them were just children. I mean, you, you look at their age on the, the Bureau of Prisons website where they are, they're spending decades in federal prison, and it's just so sad how young they were. Some of them, you know, a mother of this one guy says that he was as young as 15 years old when an older um, FBI, uh, or actually it was an undercover um, NYPD officer and FBI agents were coming um, to manipulate him. He was an only child. And so um, I would really love for people to come and get to know our work and um, to just build awareness and read these so-called terrorism stories and arrest with skepticism, because I promise you that there's always more to the story. And if you dig deeper, it very easily unravels. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I, I do want to keep you on for our final fun segment sure. to 
palate cleanse. But how can people find you and your work? Uh, we're at civilfreedoms.org, www.civilfreedoms.org. Um, find us on um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. We have our, our socials. So we're not great at it, but we try and reach out to us. Awesome. Yeah, no, and and your website's great, and it explains all the different campaigns and everything you guys are working on. So, thank you for 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 this and for for joining us. And let's do our final fun segment, guys. Yeah. Let's let's switch it up. We've got a segment we do. We do bring this back, which is sex elect overthrow works like fuck Mary kill, um, and. You know, we usually do politicians or, I don't know, Fox News hosts, et cetera, which is always fun um, and awful. But this is a little different. I kind of like our choices this evening. Um, Given that there are a number of shows right now on the streaming services about different con artists, seems to be the renaissance of the con artists, um, which I much prefer to the true crime renaissance, not into murderers, con artists. A little more interesting. I want to know who would you guys sex elect overthrow when it comes to uh in, in when it comes to Anna Delvey, the Tinder swindler, or Elizabeth Holmes? This is sex elect overthrow. Anna Delvey of inventing Anna scammed banks. But also socialites, also her friends. Did they deserve that? Did she get them free champagne often? Hmm, I don't know. She's got a terrible accent and I can't do it. But after you see the show, you cannot stop doing it. It's like really, really hard to stop. It's like bread. Totally do it. (laughs) Thank you. It's British, but also a valley girl, but like um, um, German as well. Um, Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got Anna Delvey. We've got Tinder Swindler. So uh, uh, Shimon Hayut, who convinced women uh, he was dating to give them money because he convinced them he was like some big time diamond, like <clears throat> diamond dealers or like some some rich guy. Roll up in like a private jet, take a wine them and dine them, and then be like, oh my God, they're after me, the bad guys, because I'm really important. Can you open a credit card for me? And then they would open a new account and then do the same thing over again with another woman. So just kind of like leap lily padding and leapfrogging from scam to scam to scam, which honestly to me sounds like a lot of work. So I'm going to give him some credit there. Or, and she's also the subject of a Hulu show, which is honestly one of my favorites, uh, The Dropout, Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos of just one drop of blood, and I can test you for all of these things. Um, can you test for sociopathy? Because that's what you mm-hmm. have, crazy bitch. Um, no. So what do we think? Who do we sext, send sexy text messages to, allay their, you know, hot and bothered feelings, uh, elect them to office, or done, overthrow, gone, memory shoot? Um, Trey? Oh, no, yeah. Lena, whichever, whoever wants to go. Um, I would sext um, Elizabeth Holmes because, I don't know, I mean, at least she she didn't steal from the poor, as far as I know. <laughs> and that's probably the one redeeming thing is she, uh, you know, defrauded investors. But that's, uh, admittedly, I didn't w- watch any of these shows, but I'm, you know, been reading about 
No, it's cool. You can go on your gut. So you sexed Elizabeth Holmes. Who do you elect and who do you overthrow? I elect um, Anna Delvey because her promises are, you know, I'm going to wire you money, you know, like they are as, I mean, you <laughs> might as well elect her because she's as worth, her promises are as worthless as so many of our politicians. So she will be right at home with them. I'm going to wire you the relief money. It's, it's coming through. Once it's, my it's, inheritance it's, kicks in, you're going to have the COVID relief. <laughs> That's basically, that's what our government does already. You're totally right. (laughs) And overthrow um, the Tinder swindler because he served, what, like five fucking like months in prison in Israel, which, you know, holds Palestinian children for, you know, months or years in indefinite administrative detention in military prison um, without charges. So he, um, he, he should be overthrown. There he is, but look at his bleach blonde tips. Oh wow, <laughs> he would be a good '90s uh, boy band, uh, you know. I mean, that face is so trustworthy, but it definitely isn't the face of a millionaire. I'm like, I don't, mm-mm. you don't have money, Trey. What about you? Who are we thinking on the left? Anna Delvey in the middle, yeah. Tinder swindler on the right, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, I don't know. I guess I would try to sex Anna Delvey, but I don't think she would go for that because I'm trash and she don't uh, she don't traffic with trash. So I probably wouldn't have much much success on that front. Uh, but and elect. I mean, I don't want to elect any of them, but I mean, I feel like Elizabeth Holmes is absolutely Senate material in this country. You know what I mean? Like she seems like a senator type to me uh, based on how our senators be sort of just had a totally bullshit idea that she got everybody to give her a bunch of, you know, investment capital for it's very American, American dream writ large right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess her and overthrow, does it mean, is the implication that you then take their place? Cause that's Ooh. what I think when I think overthrow, Oh, I like that. You know what I mean? Cause it's still the tender swindler. Cause you know, I wouldn't mind lying my way onto some rich girl's boat or whatever he was doing. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, no, I mean, I'm just kidding. Fuck that guy too. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. Either okay. Way. That's but really is good. That, but is that your intention though? With overthrow? Like, cause when I, I heard it's... overthrow, I interpreted it as, replace oh you know, i like that i like the and replace right like is, depose yeah right um yeah like install like a, a new yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. no yeah. i think overthrow is just it done doesn't get rid ma- of we have no okay. plan for what comes next it's sort of a free-for-all sure. well it's um, still that guy <laughs> it's still that guy okay so we yeah. overthrow him we're making is it delvey's no no uh holmes's senate yeah no i yeah. i see that yeah. Holmes yeah. absolutely could lie her way into the senate for sure. See, that's I, I I do think if we're going with skill and it comes to electing, obviously the cynical part of me is like it's got to be Delvey or Holmes because they are in my I don't I want to know who's the biggest sociopath. This is my thing. I don't know who the biggest sociopath is. I know that Delvey is still convinced of her own lies. I think here's what I will say. Mm, this is hard. Is it between the two okay. of them or the three of them that you're deciding? I'm, I'm, they're all in play for me, but here's what I will say. I'm going with this. Um, obviously. Okay. Elizabeth Holmes needs, needs a second chance. I think she okay. <laughs> poor, like 
obviously people got hurt. People definitely got hurt. Uh, if, if if the show is real, even one of her scientists committed suicide because he was in a horrible position because of one of the researchers. That being said, I would say you're right. She's electable. She let's give her another chance. She can do some some like magic hat trick. No, I don't. I fucking hate Elizabeth Holmes. God damn it. Yeah. I, I don't like hate. her either. I said I didn't want to elect any of them. I'm just saying okay, I okay. could see she would fit right in on okay. Capitol Hill. Uh, okay, let's, let's go. Let, let's overthrow overthrowing Elizabeth Holmes. We're done. Put her out of her misery. She's never going to be Steve Jobs. We're going to sext the Tinder swindler because I really would like to go on a private jet too. Like It'd be fun. Mm. I don't know. We could go to the Super Bowl. I don't know where we would go. We'd go somewhere dope. Um, but like, I'm not going to open you a bank account, dude, but let me hold your money for a little bit. Um, and then you elect Anna Delvey because she scammed banks and socialites and similar to what Lena said, they kind of deserved it. I do think she'd be, she'd be Trumpian in like, Mm -hmm. in a way maybe I could get down with like. So I'm not that familiar with I watched Inventing Anna. I didn't watch the other two shows. I remember when they were actual stories and heard about them. So I'm sure they're like, I didn't know about the scientists killing themselves. I'm sure there's a lot of shit I'm overlooking here. Yeah. Or just am ignorant about. But I, all three of them, their primary victims were like mostly rich people, right? What weren't they? Like they defrauded and fucked over rich people. If, cause if that's true, I don't really care too much, frankly. They're what? all three pieces of shit. But I'm not going to lose any sleep over someone getting, you know, screwed out of their art collection or whatever the hell happened. Like- Elizabeth Holmes, <laughs> arguably, you know, there are people who were given false positives on their blood work. And like that was, you know, the harm right. that was done. Well, yeah, well, that ain't cool. But the reason <laughs> these people have shows in the first place is precisely because of what you're saying, Trey. Because yeah. the number of people who scam the elderly out of their retirement savings on a like random right. phone call, like... So many of those, but that is a very depressing series that nobody wants yeah. to watch. And it's like, oh man, Nana lost all her money. Like, you know, like nobody wants to watch that shit. Did you see that movie? I care a lot. Did you no, see that? No. Netflix movie. Yeah. For Rosamund Pike is one of those people that you're talking about. Oh, okay. And it's fucked up. <laughs> But it's weird because it's like you're supposed to be rooting for it. Certain parts, she's like a anti-hero, but there's no hero. She's just fucking over old people, and it's just a colossal piece of shit. But it's like you're supposed. It's a weird movie. Not okay, a huge fan. Okay, okay. Anyway, I apologize for that. I should have known that. Of, of course, a streaming service was already going to do a dramatized <laughs> yeah. version of exactly what I just said. Yeah, they did. Um, well, anyway, but it's telling that like we haven't seen it or heard about it, but we know about inventing Anna in the Tinder store. So. Mm-hmm. Inventing Anna, as we we talked about this before the show, too many episodes, little too long, and my God, like, I, I just, they come away, the main journalist and the lawyer come away just like fawning over her and actually loving her. She didn't even buy them champagne or handbags. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you just, she was just captivating you. Anyway, I, Shonda Rhimes, you're great, but I have problems with this series. Um. Lena Alarion, thank you so much for joining me for the Bitchuasia Room. That super does it. Everybody follow Lena, follow uh, CCF, and um, yeah, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes. Take good care. And Trey Crowder, 
I'm going to see you in a little bit, and I want to talk DeSantis and Disney very briefly. But All right. where can people find you and your work? <clears throat> uh, mostly just my name on whatever social thing you use. If you look me up by, by T-R-A-E Crowder, as you see it right there below my face, and you'll find me. YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. Got podcasts. Doing all kinds of stuff all the time. How so many times have you had COVID, Trey? I have, knock on wood, I have not gotten COVID yet. You've been tra- you've been touring this whole I time? Tour and, and you do live and you- shows, yeah. Damn. I, I mean, I'm, you know, triple backs, but I know that doesn't, you know, I don't know. I you sanitize just, mics? I think I got fucked because I didn't sanitize my mic. Uh, I mean, like you, know, you wipe it between, or you no. think it gets wiped? <laughs> no, I should have had it four <laughs> times probably by now because I'm. I say again, I'm trash. You know, I don't. But uh, I don't know. Got lucky, but yeah, I'll see you on the the bonus bish. The bonus bish. Like you got it. Got it. Got I, it. I, yeah. I now I just need to make that the the slogan. Bonus bash, get Trey's voice in it, and it'll be great. Oh my god, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sticking around for this show back. I hope I've um done you right. I know I have, even though I'm in a COVID haze, a brain fog. Now I can blame it on COVID from now on. It's just gonna be like, oh my god, brain fog. Do you have long COVID, Francesca? No, but whatever. Brain fog. I'm still going to say brain fog. Um, thank you guys so much for all of your comments. Charmed Chaos. Patriot Act and its several renewals have some real draconian policies in it. Camperman 5000. Funny how inalienable rights are constantly alienated. Uh-huh. Inalienable. Z- uh, ZKR99. Need to give these nuts a secret mission to improve wildlife habitat or something, right? We need to be like the extremists in the Everglades. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. What else can we do? Just something where they actually like the extremist weather. The weather is extreme. The weather is being radicalized. Can we de-radicalize that? Okay. You know what I'm saying. Um, And you guys, as always, this is Lay Fart Song. Yay! Thank you so much to all of the patrons who give it 10 bucks or more. New patrons, Trey Davis, Chris Dickey, Kelly Brashear, Devel Patel. To the big tippers, Joseph L., Karen K., Robert G. To the Twitch subs, Metal Turtle 571, Naked Crab, Aussie Plant Dragon, Squirrely Coney, Harry Balsich, Justzar, Johnny Appleseed Walker, PC Load, Letter 2, Fat Guy Named Tiny, Willie Gus, Trizelda 1, Hunger Games 1989, Thunderous Dragon, My Assis Dragon, Chester Pound 623. Thank you to the Super Chats, Hef, Jeremy Justice, Decepticon IT Help Desk, and everybody else. Finally, I wanted to say, if you are a patron at 10 bucks or more, I wanted to sweeten the pot for y'all and make uh, make a habit of shouting out people's birthdays. So please let me know. I put a calendar in the Patreon. Throw your birthday up there if you are a patron, and I will shout it out every Sunday, and we can have a nice little like birthday thing. Maybe we'll do it in the bonus. Maybe we'll do it before. I don't know, but I want to give you birthday loves if it is your birthday. And thank you to everyone who makes this show possible, to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Alexandra Orness on the other side of the chat. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. We are also available as a podcast on all the podcast platforms. Follow us. 
on Twitter at BituationPod, on TikTok and Instagram at FrannyFio. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. I'll see you in the bonus, y'all. Bye.